0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. How's everybody? Good. good to be with you. hope you had an amazing Christmas, and we are just a few days away, of course we know, from new year. And I just want to begin this morning by saying happy anniversary to my wife. We've been, yeah, we've been married... We've been married 18 glorious years this very day, and uh, it's my whole life has been like a Hallmark movie, honey. I love you. It's been, it's been so good. Uh, we are, and I know we've said it many times today, but we we have arrived at the end of a year, and you always every every time you get to this point, there is this natural thing we do in which we sort of reassess, we regroup, we look ahead, we try and make some new goals, and, and maybe you aren't the resolution type, and, and that's not even what we're talking about today, but I do know that this is, a, this, is a, this is a moment in which we were able to kind of look back a little bit, but we're also able to look ahead, and, and we're going to do that a little bit today, but specifically, I want to get into um, this series we've been doing for now 33 weeks, Jesus. Jesus. He changed everything about everything, and this is our 33rd week, and in case you're wondering how long is this really going to go, because I've joked that this may be the last series we'll ever do, um, we have made a plan that we are actually going to end this series the week after Easter, which will be 50 weeks of Jesus changed everything about everything, still not enough, by the way, I'm pretty sure it won't be. Then the week after that, we will start a new series called God, He created everything about everything, all right? It's going to be awesome. Uh, all right, to begin today, I do want to do something fun. I want to play a word association. And if you've never done this, it's pretty simple. I say a word, what's the first word that comes to your mind? S- stay clean, all right? Uh, and I want you to tell the person next to you uh, whatever it is that comes to your mind, all right? I'll do a real simple, so I'm going to say a word, you just tell the person next to you first word that comes to your mind. Not first sentence or paragraph, first word, all right? I don't need, you know what I'm saying, we're going to do this quick. You all ready? I'll make this one very simple, something relevant to the week we just had. The first word, Christmas. Tell the person next to you. The first word that comes to your mind, Christmas. All right, all right, all right. Very good. Shouldn't take long. First word that comes to mind, Christmas. Okay, next word, word association with lunch. First word that comes to your mind, go. <laughs> Maybe uh, Honey Bunny, uh, Biscuit Company. All right. Next one. Next one. Coffee. Go. <laughs> that one made some people giddy. All right. Next one. Okay. Real sentimental here. OKC Community Church. Go. What'd you say? Home, I love it. All right. Next word. Neighbors. go. Go. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right. Next, next word. I know I've got several more for you. Next word, mornings. Mornings.) <laughs> All right, next word. Next word. 2019. Go. All right, next word. I got just a few more. All right. This is everybody, you know, one of those words money. Money. Go. Mm. Mm. First word that comes to mind when I say next word is uh, home. Your home. Your home. Your house. Go. All right. Your dreams. One. I got two more. Your dreams. Go. <laughs> Crickets. All right, last one, last one, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, go for it, all right, I don't know how many we did there, but maybe around 10 or 12 words there, all the things I mentioned by the way, um, are just about life, <laughs> um, they're just they're just the things we encounter every day, aren't we? They're just the, th- the places we live, or the places, the people that we encounter, the things we do, or things we consume, and we'll kind of we'll come back to these sort of this little random list of things in a little bit. But they also they are all also things like when I look back a little bit at 2018, many of those things played out, um, whether it be dreams or neighboring or our city, of course, or our home. There's things that are all inclusive within the year as I'm looking back. And, and, I, and I do wanna just take a moment and we've mentioned it already this morning, but when I look back at 2018, I am really grateful. There's a lot of things that happened in this year as a church family that I think we can celebrate and be thankful for. And we have seen God move in people's lives and do things that only he can do. And you know, I mentioned last week, if you were with us, that our church has logged over a thousand hours in our prayer room in the last nine months. And I believe everything that God has done has been prompted uh, by prayer and, and has been rooted in prayer. And I believe God is moving in that way. And I am hopeful that we can, we can do twice that much um, prayer in this coming year. Uh, and, I, and I ultimately believe this, and this is what I'm sensing from the Spirit personally, is that Everything that's gone on in our church, really since the beginning, but specifically with 2018, the things that God has started to do, the walls that I believe he began to break through, um, and, and the way that the Spirit was moving, I think was all laying groundwork for what he wants to do in 2019. Uh, because I believe what God wants to do in 2019 in our church is, is way more than what he did in 2018. And I think it took 2018 to open the door to 2019. Are you with me? And I really believe that what he's going to pour out in 2019 is not only going to be more people coming to know Jesus, more breakthrough, more, more, more things that only he can do, but we're going to see things that we would have never seen if we didn't do the things we did in 2018. And I think we're going to continue to see as we seek his presence and step more into what God wants, we're going to continue to see more of the things that we've been praying for. We have so many people that have been praying for revival, praying for renewal, praying for deeper things of God to be released in this church. And I believe it's going to happen. And I believe it's going to be um, a, a year ahead of us that I think for many of us, it's, there's going to be a lot of firsts. And I think that's going to be a really, really powerful thing. And this is what I'm hoping I, I, as we all end this year and enter the, enter the new one, I hope we're all on the same page about that. I hope that we're all sort of kind of thinking the same way, if you will. Most weeks uh, in the series that we've been talking about Jesus have been from the Gospels, meaning from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And we've, we've taken a story, we've taken a teaching, we've taken an encounter with Christ, and we've, and we've allowed it to, to hit us in our hearts and, and to teach us in new ways. I actually want to take us out of the Gospels, but I still want to talk about Jesus, of course, and I want to go to Philippians uh, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can open to that. Um, Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes about something that's very critical in the idea of being a follower of Jesus. And so obviously, as we talk about Jesus, we also need to be talking about what does it mean to actually follow him. And he says something really um, impactful in, in a lot of his writings, but specifically what we're looking at today in Philippians chapter one, we'll start on verse 19 in a moment. But if, if you are familiar with the book of Philippians, this is a letter that Paul writes to a young church in the city of Philippi. It was a church that probably had high hopes to bring life to their city. You know, it was just like this beautiful picture of what a church ought to be, right? And they get this letter from Paul while Paul is in prison awaiting a trial. And this trial could ultimately end Paul's life. And Paul is writing with that in mind, like this may be the last letter I write to you uh, because I may die. And so I want you to, I'm gonna read this letter or read part of these, just these few verses, which is sort of almost the introduction to this letter. He says this, in verse. we'll start in verse 19. I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me? He's been arrested and he's put in, been put into a prison in Rome and uh, they are basically calling him a traitor to the, to the empire of Rome. I eagerly expect and hope, now imagine, he's saying this while sitting in, a pra- in prison. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So this is a great passage. Uh, It ends with one of the great sayings, if you will, from, from the New Testament writings of Paul when he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I love what he says here in the middle of the passage. I'll highlight it for you on the screen. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage. Meaning, as I sit here about to face trial that may not turn out so good in relationship to me actually continuing to be alive, (laughs) amidst that circumstance, I hope that in no way will I be ashamed of Jesus that in no way will I actually make Jesus smaller in this circumstance. That as I face these accusations of being a traitor, of being anti-Rome, that I will still in that amplify the reality that Jesus is everything to me. This is what Paul is saying, that I want to make Jesus bigger. I don't wanna be ashamed. And he is actually acknowledging in this passage something really, some really, something really honest. He's acknowledging this battle between shame and courage. Does anybody anybody relate with this? He's acknowledging this reality that we face. Am I ashamed to share my faith in Jesus? Or will I have the courage to do it? Here's the thing about courage in today's world. We think we all understand it. It's a very popular subject that people write about and talk about, but its true meaning is a bit all over the map. If you really think about it, I many are confused about what courage actually is. I actually recent I say recently is several months ago now. I had I had a moment which I felt like I was exercising some measures of courage, and uh, I, I went I got to I had an opportunity to go dirt biking with my brother-in-law Shane. I, I have a picture here to show you. Um, this is me all geared up. And if you're like, that's a stock photo, Tim. That is totally not you. I'll prove it. It is me. Next picture. See? It's me. It's me. And that's my brother-in-law in in the back with no helmet, being really safe. Um, You can go to the next picture. Yeah, so this is back to me. So I went went dirt bragging. I'd never ridden a motorcycle of any type before this moment. I didn't know what I was doing. And I never rode a Harley. I never rode a Kawasaki. I never rode a Vespa. I never rode anything. And and so my brother-in-law gives me a quick he gives me a quick you know, lesson. He's like, here's the throttle, here's the brake, man. You got it. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So I try and get on, and I'm trying to get my bearings, like how to turn, how to, how to brake, how to, how, to, you know, how to go, all that kind of stuff. And at one point, I, I hit the throttle instead of the brake. Anybody done this? <laughs> you know, and the bike, like, flies out. It's on the ground. I'm, like, away from the bike now. And this guy comes over that's not with me. He's like, hey, man, you knew what this? Yes, first day. He goes, oh, man, don't worry about it. You'll get it. But be careful, man. Those things are powerful. My best friend died on one of those things. <laughs> I'm like, OK, that's, that's the, and then he goes, well, see you later. And I'm like, that is the last thing you say to a guy on his first day, right? And so perhaps courage is getting back on the bike, right? I mean, after all, Paul did say to die is gain, right? Um, but in all seriousness, like, I think this idea of courage being something that people will get up enough willpower to go and, on an adventure is not courage. To step through the door of opportunity, to grab the bull by the horns, whatever you want to say, isn't always really courage. It's shades of courage. It has threads of courage. But Paul is talking about something much bigger here, much deeper here. And this is what I want you to notice. He says this. Whenever he, says, whenever he says that I would have sufficient courage, Paul is actually talking about courage that you would trust your life with Jesus. A type of courage and say, in no way will I ever be ashamed of Jesus. In no way will I ever make him smaller. He's talking about a courage to face anything in life, even death, right? And whatever you face to have the courage to never make Jesus smaller. Paul understands that it actually takes courage to exalt Christ. Is anybody with me on that? It takes courage to exalt Jesus in your life. Meaning we have to have the, you know, we have the opportunity every day. You guys realize this. We have the opportunity every day to make Jesus smaller, to make him bigger. And he keeps going, and it actually, to that point. He says this, and we'll go to the next part of that verse. He says, you know, he'll have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Christ exalted in my body. Now, the word exalted, original language, means actually to be made bigger, to be made larger. Paul is saying, you know, I want you to turn up the volume of Jesus in your life. That's what he's saying. Well, and he says, you know, what's that you say? Your amp only goes to ten. Well, mine goes to eleven. <laughs> you know what I mean? This this kind of turn, Spinal Tap reference. Sorry if you don't know that movie, but uh, there's this idea that you can actually increase the volume. The original again, the original language means to to increase the attention. This is what exalted means to increase the attention and the output. Paul is saying, this life that I have left, whatever it may be, may Christ be exalted in it. May he, be made, may he be made bigger. May there be an increase. If I live through this trial, well, may Christ be exalted. But if I die, may Christ be exalted. Let me show you, let me show you a different picture. It's kind of, kind of a strange one, I know. But um, you guys have seen this before, right? Like, uh, today's world is actually pretty hypersensitive to anyone who would be too religious. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes my kids say I'm too dad. Like, dude, that joke, that's too dad. Um, and, and sometimes this idea of being too religious in this world, our mental kind of mind gets something like this. And I know no one in this room is probably like this, meaning there's, but we've all seen it. The bullhorn, sort of street corner, preach at you, kind of, you know too much, if you will, and I wanna make sure we're all on the same page because I think we are, but when I say turn up the volume of Jesus, I'm not literally saying, you know, pump up the volume, pump up the volume, you know, I'm not saying that, like in the sense of get a bullhorn and get louder. To make Jesus bigger does not mean something like we have to go and become strange or weird, although we will be strangers sometimes to this world. Exalting Christ does not have to become this holier-than-thou, turn-or-burn type of life. But but there's a contrast, because I think sometimes for a lot of Christians, we want to love Jesus enough to experience all the good of Jesus, his promises, his comfort, his presence for ourselves, but we stop short of exalting him in our bodies. Because we live in fear and maybe actually shame, of what it will look like to others. You go back to that picture because we don't, we don't want to look like that to the world. And sometimes when we exalt Christ with our bodies, we actually think the world is looking at us like this is what we look like. We're like, oh, I'm being too religious. I'm being this, and I don't want to, I don't want to be offensive with my face. Listen, Jesus, what Paul is saying, Paul actually says, that he would, that may, may Christ be exalted in my body and in my life, may Jesus be made bigger. And he's basically saying, what we could take this to mean in today's world is that Jesus should never be made into a private matter, which I hear a lot of us in this world probably have heard people say, faith is a private matter. But that's actually quite the opposite, that we're supposed to exalt him with courage. May the volume of Jesus be turned up, so to speak. I love the story of John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is in, If how do I say it? In his day and age, he would be you know, sort of a big deal. You know what I mean? He was like the guy. Everybody was like showing up to see him. He was all the rage. He was in on camel hair before anybody else. He was the guy, and yet... He says something in John 30 that is so profound and so beautiful that illustrates what Paul is saying. He says this in John 3:30. 3, "He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus must be exalted, He must be made bigger, and I must be made smaller." Then he goes on, or actually before he actually says this in John chapter one verse 23, he's referring to himself. He says, "I am the voice of the one calling out in the wilderness. I am making straight the path." for the way of the Lord. And what he is saying is, listen, what we are, we are voices for Jesus. We are pointing the way for Christ, for people to see Christ, and we are making a path straight for Jesus to walk straight through the middle of this world so people can see it. This is what what John says about his life. This is what we are able to say we should strive to become. So remember, Paul is writing a letter to a young church of people he dearly loves. He's reminding them that they're constantly going to be facing this challenge between shame and courage. Then he goes on with this next part of the verse. He says, for for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. First of all, doesn't it strike you that Paul sees his death as a bit of an upgrade? I love that. He's like, if I go on living, cool. But if I die, it's like I'm going from coach to first class. It's like I went from the economy car to the luxury car. It was like this big, huge upgrade that he wasn't expecting. And he literally does say, if I go on living, then Christ. But if I die, even better because I'm with Christ. And Paul can say this because he knows his eternal destination, right? Paul can say this because he has assurance in his in his salvation, in his his place, if you will, in heaven. Because he surrendered his life to Jesus, so he has this security around that. He knows who he is. He knows where he'll be. He sees life and death through the lens of Christ and what Christ taught about it and the realities of heaven and eternal life and the realities of eternal separation from those who don't choose him. Paul understands all this. And so he sees his death as a bit of an upgrade, but not everyone can say, oh, yeah, death is an upgrade. Death, for a lot of people in today's world, is a place of fear and uncertainty, isn't it? It's a place in which you go, I have no idea what's going to happen. And for many, death is not the prospect of gaining, but it's a place of fear. But Paul, he's writing about something, he's writing about salvation here that he has, and N.T. Wright, he says something very interesting about the word salvation. If you don't know N.T. Wright, he's a theologian, but he said this. He says the word salvation denotes rescue. Rescue? What from? Well, of course, ultimately death. And since it's sin that colludes with the forces of evil and decay, sin leads to death. So we are rescued from sin and death. Seems rather simple, but... If you don't know much about this, this is actually quite profound. So Paul saying dying is gain to him is because he knows that he's been rescued from death and sin. You know, the scriptures repeatedly teach, maybe you don't know this about Jesus, maybe you do, but the scriptures repeatedly teach that Jesus was without sin, meaning he had no sin about him. And if sin is what equals death, because what does it say? It says that all of us have sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 3.23, it says, and the wages of sin is death. And if Jesus has no sin about him, therefore he has no death about him. So what does, he have, what does God and Jesus have about them? Life. And so if, if Jesus has no sin and he only has life, well, then Jesus is actually full of life. Maybe that's why he says, I came to give you life to the full. <laughs> because that's all I gotta give. Jesus doesn't have anything else to give except life. Paul knows this. But because God loves us so much, he rescues us, right, from our sin, which ultimately leads to death. And he says, I have a better way, one that I will save your souls so you'll have eternal life. This is the basics of salvation. A lot of us understand this. But essentially, in case you're a person that has questions about this, Salvation is saying, it's saying this to God. It's saying, I will stop trying to save myself. I will stop trying to keep my head above, above water, and instead I will reach out to the hand that God has extended to me, and I will let him pull me out and rescue me, and I will, instead of me, drowning myself. Because we can't save ourselves. That is salvation, and when you've been rescued... Your death in this world is the beginning of life eternal. Thus, Paul's saying, to die is gain. So today, I do want to just pause on that, and I want to invite every person in this room that to consider that in your life. Have you, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus in a way that says, I know my, eternal, my security in Christ, that through his salvation, I have no concerns about my life and this my soul this life of my soul even after I die because I I believe if you have questions around that if you have concern around that I know for me and I know for many people our security is all rooted in in Christ Jesus and the choice that we've made to make him the Lord of our life if you've never done that today you can you can give Jesus your life I do, want to, I do want to finish this passage and, and we'll come back to that. So if that's you, just start pondering that in your own heart. Are you ready to give your life to Christ? So what about this, lo- this line that Paul says? So he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I just talked about the die is gain. But let's back up. To live is Christ. That's what he said, right? To live is Christ. You remember, he's about to go on trial. He doesn't know how he's, if he's going to live or if he's going to die. And he's saying, either way, I want Christ <clears throat> to be exalted in my body through life or death. If I die, great. If I, if I live, well, then all the more living is Christ. This is what he's saying. We began this morning with a little word association, didn't we? Um, when we talk about life and when we think about all the ways in which how can I turn the volume of Jesus up in my life, maybe you're sitting here going, hey, that's really good, but it's just sort of just, yeah, hey, what? how do you do that? Like how do we courageously exalt Jesus in our bodies let's think about these words again right and I, and, and I believe this truly I believe this but what if <clears throat> what if the first word that comes to mind what's the first worst word that comes to mind when I say any of these words and I know this is going to sound like oh yeah but what if it was Jesus let's, let's think about this for a second let's go through these words Christmas Jesus. Duh. Right? That was an easy one. Lunch. Jesus. Thank you for another meal, Jesus. But what if it was even deeper than that? It's like, Jesus, use me to provide food for people that don't have it. Coffee. Jesus, of course. Some of you don't drink coffee. You're like, no, that's not, well, then that doesn't apply, does it? Well, all of us have went to coffee, though, haven't we? You know how many conversations I've had over coffee or tea about life and about what God's doing? God, used coffee to exalt your name. This church, OKC Community Church. Jesus, of course, we are founded by Jesus. We are all for Jesus, we are all in, and we are ready, Jesus, for what you have for us this year. Jesus, this is yours, we are yours. Neighbors, first word, Jesus. Jesus, may we love our neighbors like you called us to love them. But may it not be a project, may they be our friends. We learn to love them because they are people that you love. Mornings, Jesus. Your mercies are new every morning, Jesus. Every day is a new opportunity to exalt you. Every day matters. No day is wasted. No day is wasted. 2019. Jesus, what if this is like the year that you said, I don't know if I've ever committed a year of my life to Jesus the way I wanna commit this year to Jesus. And you consciously went in and said, Jesus, this year is yours. I'm ready for what you have. Money. Jesus. Jesus, thank you for what you've provided help me be wise and with what i have help me trust you with what i need and help me follow you with the way i give your home jesus as for me and my house we will serve the lord right but not just that like Jesus, I wanna build my life, my foundation of my home and my family. I wanna build it on you. I don't wanna build it on this, 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 this sandy foundation anymore that sways with the wind and gets blown over easy when storms come. Some houses in this room are being blown over because Christ isn't the foundation, something else is. your dreams God may I give you the dreams of my heart and may I pursue the dream you know I say this all the time me and me and my family me and Christy we're living the dream it's just the dream we never had you're like what does that mean it means we are presently living the dream but we it wasn't our dream we didn't grow up dreaming about this but God started shaping a new vision and now we get to step into it. What if, what if it was no longer about the dreams that the world pushes into you that you should become, but it was about the dreams that God plants into your heart that you never saw coming? Oklahoma City, Jesus. Jesus, may your love be poured out on our city. And Jesus, would you use me to be that love? You see, everything in life is about Jesus, if we want it to be. This is what Paul means when he says, to live is Christ. Are you with me now? We have to make Jesus bigger. We have to turn up the volume. And we can easily forget And we can typically make Jesus smaller when it comes to things like lunch and coffee and our mornings and our city, we can make Jesus smaller all the time. But what if we saw every day and every person and everything that we encounter in life as opportunities to courageously exalt Jesus? You see, I'm I'm sort of feeling like this is in some ways a word for us to begin 2019, that Jesus is gonna be made bigger in our life, in our church and in our city. I wanna skip down to close to verse number 27. If you have your Bible and you're looking at it, verse number 27, I I wanna close with this thought. Paul says this, he says, "'Whatever happens, conduct yourselves "'in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ.'" So you gotta remember everything he just said, right? And then he goes, whatever happens, "'conduct yourselves in a manner worthy "'of the gospel of Christ. "'Then whether I come and see you "'or only hear about you in my absence.'" What is he talking about? meaning whether I live and come to you or whether I die and I'm absent. I know, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul it, Paul is getting real here. And, and I don't know if you're ready to get real about your life or about the year, but he's getting to the heart of life, the core of what everything is about. And he says, whatever happens, whatever it's good, whether it's bad, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to you, whatever happens in life, no matter how bad it gets, how rich or poor, no matter how good or terrible, live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's what he says. Live a life worthy of the love of Jesus. For those of you who are saved, you've been rescued, don't forget it. Don't make that a small thing. You've been given everlasting life. Don't forget it. Will you have the courage to exalt Jesus, to stand firm, to strive together? Paul is being real about life, and, and I hope that you want to be real because I want to be real. And, and here's what I'll, I mean, I just I feel like we have to say to one another and say to ourselves enough of the excuses that we make. I feel like we have to say that at some point in our life, enough of the excuses that we make, enough of the comparison trap that we live in or the race to be number one, or the shame or fear we we allow to consume us. He has come to rescue us from all of that. And I hope what you'll hear for 2019 is that you'll join me in this because I feel this. I feel anticipation. I feel that I'm full of prayer, if you will, for breakthrough and for salvation and things that only he can do. And no matter what, no matter how tough 2019 is or how good it is, are you with me? Let's stand firm, one in the spirit. Let's strive together as one for the faith of the gospel of Christ. Let's live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus, amen? So here's the last thing and then we'll pray. Everything in life, everything, every person, every relationship, every cup of coffee is brimming with the potential (laughs) to bring life and to exalt Jesus. So this is why I want to just say this Wednesday night is important because we do want to pray for 2019. And we want you to come into it and say, I want to give this year to Jesus. And I don't know if we have any know, specific things that are just that make Wednesday different, except we are together in unity saying, this is what we're doing. We're stepping into this together. Psalm 133 verse one says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people come together in unity. And we're going to in unity say, God, this is your year. And so that's why we want you to join us this Wednesday night. But before we do that, let's pray for this morning and respond to what the Lord said to us. You bow your heads. Father, I just want to pray. I want to pray right now that your spirit would be moving in this room in a way that people are ready to respond to you, ready to receive what it is you're saying. And God, everything in life is, it truly is about you. To live is Christ. Well, I want to give with everybody's heads bowed just an opportunity for anybody. I mentioned, I talked for a few moments about this idea of salvation. And maybe today for you to make Jesus bigger in your life, you gotta say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I've struggled with this for a long time. I don't have security. I have a lot of fear. I have a lot of uncertainty, a doubt, whatever. But you want to say, I'm ready to clearly, in my heart, give my life to Jesus today. If that's where you're at, I wanna invite you to do that. And it's really it's really just a moment between you and the Lord in which you say, Lord, I wanna surrender my life to you. You can do that anywhere, anytime. But if you want to do it right now, I'll just help you. I'll lead you in a prayer and all you have to do is repeat this prayer. But the prayer isn't where the the power is. You understand that it's it's the heart that you are saying. The words don't necessarily, um, aren't specific things that you got to say. This isn't something like that. This is just your heart to the Lord saying, I want to give my life to you from this day forward. I'm yours. If you want to do that today, I'll help you just by leading you in a prayer and and say this with your, with your whole heart. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, just pray this. Say, God, I give you my life today. Just whisper that right now. God, I give you my life today. I believe in your son, Jesus. Just whisper that. I believe in your son, Jesus. I wanna make him Lord of my life. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rescuing. today I surrender my life to you and confess that you are my Lord. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that for the first time and you meant that and you sealed that in your heart, way to go. That is a step of courage. And I want to encourage you now to just trust the Lord in what he has next for you. And if you need to talk with someone today, which I think you should, if you've prayed that prayer, come and talk to us. We're about to sing We're about to sing about building our life on Christ. And as we sing, this altar is open for anybody to come and pray about anything going on in life, but also prayer team will be here, I'll be here. I'd love to talk to anybody that just prayed that prayer, but I'd also say they all, we'd love to pray with you as a prayer team for anybody that needs anything in life. Maybe you're, you, you have struggle you're walking through and you want someone to pray over you maybe you need healing maybe you need maybe you need god to break through in something and you're just like could, could someone pray with me that's why we're here we'd love to pray with you today for whatever god is laying on your heart to do so so this time is open for movement and freedom uh, but if you just prayed that prayer definitely come talk to us we'd love to celebrate that with you would you stand and let's sing the lord